We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We got another super chat here. Uh, this one's from Mark Stewart. Thank you very much, Number Mark. Three from Mark today. Yeah, I thought that was the case, but they're running together. So I thank you for clarifying that. Why do we assume that once kids get on campus, that Notre Dame players are not going to get as much money in NIL deals? Andy's brand, along with their star power, equals big bucks, in my opinion. What are your thoughts? I look NIL is a thing at Notre Dame. I mean, and they're not afraid to talk about it. The difference about NIL at Notre Dame. And let's say NIL at Texas A&M is they're not just handing over a check to these guys. Like you use the Notre Dame brand to earn your money. Okay. You use the Notre Dame brand to get your NIL and you can make money at Notre Dame, but it's the, it's the long game at Notre Dame. It's not the, here's a million dollars right up front that Notre Dame's not going to do that. And I don't think they should have to do that. Right. But it's have to understand. And the families have to understand that you can make money at Notre Dame, but there's a different way to do it. And the people that end up at Notre Dame will understand that. And those are the kind of people that you want at Notre Dame anyway, in my, in my humble opinion. So, you know, right. It it is what it is, but the problem with the perception mark of Notre Dame's NIL is that Notre Dame is not compete competitive with other teams when it comes to using NIL as an inducement. And that's by choice. There's plenty of there's plenty of boot. I can I can assure you this. There are plenty of boosters that if the rules were such that you can use if the you can use money as as enticements, and boosters can just go buy players. Trust me, I know a lot of very wealthy Notre Dame fans and boosters who'd be more than willing to get together and start buying players. Sure, if that was the rules. Right. They're not going to do that now because. They part of the reason they they love their alma mater or the team that they root for is because Notre Dame is different. But if the NCAA changed the rules and said this is allowable, and Notre Dame was like, "Sure, we're going to compete in that now," then they would be able to do that. Notre Dame is trying to do it the way it should be done, which is taking care of the current players. That's what NIL is supposed to be about: take care of the current players, not giving money to recruits, but taking care of your current players. And I think the fact that Jimbo Fisher is using so much money to get recruits tells me that he 
is a scumbag who doesn't understand what NIL is supposed to be about. It's about helping him, not about helping players. It's a loophole to get guys right. in. The money yeah. to recruits isn't to help the kids. It's to get the best players so he can go win. And right. it's, about, it's all about him. How many kids are going right. to transfer out of Texas a Same thing with Lincoln Riley. It is all about Lincoln Riley. And Notre Dame's just not going to do that. But to your point, Mark, I mean, I, I can just – I know of several Notre Dame players that, that have made six figures over the last year. Mm-hmm. Several. That means there's several Notre Dame football players making more money than me. And and I'm a business owner. And I'm not complaining. I mean, good for them. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem with it. But they're doing it the right way. It's for I started my own clothing line. I'm doing deal, I'm doing advertisement things. I'm doing things to to create a transaction where I'm going to do a certain service for you and you're going to pay me this amount of money to do it. I think that's right. great for young yep. people because yeah, they have understand. to understand branding and marketing yeah. and and tax implications and okay, I'm getting paid from this state. So do I need to know my state? Okay, am I still considered a resident of the state that I'm from? Am I there's so many things that could be such great experiences for these young people that Vince, I know you and I could have used when we were that age that would have made us maybe more successful financially that are great opportunities for them. And that's where it should be geared towards. And that's what Notre Dame is focusing on, which is why, I mean, how many Notre Dame kids jumped into portal this year? Cause they weren't making enough money. A lot. None. I'm talking about Notre Dame. How I'm many sorry. Notre Dame kids jumped into portal because they weren't yeah. making enough money. You don't oh. think Michael Mayer and Lorenzo styles, Tyler Buckner, Blake Fisher, these type right. of kids couldn't have jumped in the portal and gotten big bucks from somewhere else. Like, look, if you, you don't, if Michael Mayer jumped, if Michael Mayer was open for business, he might have been the guy that everybody's losing their minds about, not Jordan Addison. Right. Absolutely. If Blake Fisher jumped, decided he wanted, he was open for business in that regard. He'd be a millionaire right now. But these kids understand there's a bigger picture at hand. And Blake also understands that if I'm playing for Harry Heastan, I can either go somewhere else and get $2 million now, or I can stay here and make $30 million in two years. Exactly. And and here and I will give a concrete example of Notre Dame using NIL to their advantage with and 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 helping a kid. Okay. So I I, I said earlier I was at a camp at Notre Dame this morning. They were introducing the players that were going to be helping out at the camp. And Michael Milk Vinson was helping out at the camp. He's the long snapper at Notre Dame. He has an NIL deal with like the American Dairy Association because his nickname is Milk, right? And Coach Mason said that in his introduction. He's like, hey, he's got an NIL deal with the dairy, you know, blah, 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 blah. He's a walk-on long snapper. Exactly. And so he's very good at it, but being at Notre Dame has presented him with an opportunity. Beating people over the head with the NIL stuff, but they're saying, look, even a walk-on at Notre Dame can get an NIL opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. And there it is. And and he said it, and everybody kind of chuckled and, you know, that kind of a thing, but it's, they're doing it the right way. That's what I will say. And I I appreciated that a lot. They're trying to stay true to what NIL is supposed to be about. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Next up from Connor. Hey guys, I'm rarely ever to catch the live shows. Well, welcome Connor. I'm going to Ball State University to become a history teacher. And while I can respect your love for World War II history, I must say that Rome is better. Wow, he's coming at us strong with Rome is better in what? In history, like the like Roman. I know there's a TV show called Rome. You're referring to that. So I think he's just talking about Roman history in general. Because he said he's going to be history. okay. So he's saying, oh, so he's saying history of Rome was better than the history of World War II. Better subject to follow. Well, I'm an American, and I'm proud to be an American. And I think America is the greatest country that this planet has ever known. So yeah, and I hate Nazis. So I think World War II is pretty freaking awesome. So yeah, see, killed a bunch of fascists. Fascists. Killed a bunch of Nazis, you know, made this country free or this world freer and, you know, America. Okay. So, I mean, or I could, or I could study the, the history of the, of the empire that enslaved millions of people, you know, just, just kidding. I think Roman history is fascinating as well. I agree with that. What's really fascinating is, is looking at the start of like, cause it had to go from somewhere. But no, I think Roman history is fascinating. And, Agreed. And, uh, I mean, and I'm a Christian, and I'm a I believe in I I I love studying the time of Jesus leading up to and post, and what does that mean to certain uh, texts of the New Testament, things like that. You can't study that without studying Roman history. That's a pretty Absolutely. important part of it. I mean, there's Romans talked about in the Bible, right? Pontius mm-hmm. Pilate and stuff like that. So, yeah. yes, it's a very, it's a very fascinating time. But I'm sorry. It's always going to be about America for me, my friend. But hey, what? Where do you say he's, he's a history oh, teacher at Ball State? He's at Ball State studying to be a history teacher. Good for oh. you. Good for you. I, Make when history you fun. Up to the South Bend area. Let me know. I'll help you get a job. Yeah. All right. Uh, Brandon says, Brian, does does can Notre Dame can Notre Dame afford? Is what he's trying. There to say. we go. Notre Dame afford to miss on a quarterback this cycle, or is it imperative that they land a quarterback given the fact that Notre Dame can't use the portal like other schools can? I mean, look, that's true, Brandon. Like, can they afford to miss? Uh, not really. 
unless you, you want look, Tyler Buckner still has three years left. But here's the deal. You can either take swing your shot and miss, and that's not good. Or you can just keep settling for guys that aren't quite good enough. I, I mean, at some point, and like I said, early in this whole process, this is not a strategy I would take every single year. But this is a unique case because Dante is unique. He's elite. He's two hours away. He's a 4.0 student. There's just like he if there he's a fit. You just got to convince everybody around him that he's a fit. He wants to be here. You have to be able to swing your shot because you're a, you're basically a quarterback. You're a quarterback dominant away from being that team. In my opinion, I know other people disagree, but I think I can make a stronger case that I'm right than 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 I'm not. And I think Tyler Buckner can be step one to that. Dante could be either the next step, meaning he's the second quarterback that wins a title at Notre Dame, or he builds on what Tyler starts and takes Notre Dame to that promised land. And, and just some of these other quarterbacks who are good – Jackson Arnold's not that guy. Sorry. Chris Vazina's not that guy. Avery Johnson's not that guy. You have to swing your shot. You have to take your shot. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're just not willing to do what it takes to, to truly take that final step. And again, if Dante Moore was from Atlanta or Dallas or LA, I'd have a completely different view on view on this. But because he is a local kid, I think that adds even more to why I think it's the right thing to do. So, can they afford it? No. Does that does that change does that change my opinion? No, it doesn't. You have to be willing to take that shot. And if you're not, then just understand that's why you're never going to get over the hump. You have to be you have to be willing to take that shot. And and I think Dante's the right kid to take it for. Sparkling Swan, Brian and Vince, are the administrators at Notre Dame more supportive now of the football program with Marcus Freeman? What was it like post Lou, Davey, Ty, Weiss, Kelly? They're more supportive they, than they were and in the Lou. Not Kelly. Not, take and, Kelly out of that because the support for Marcus is the same as what the support was for Brian Kelly. I started to crack the door a little bit with some of the early enrollees and stuff, but it was not yeah, even but where he had to take. But see, here's the thing, though. Weiss, if we're talking about the football coaches, Weiss started it, right? But right. Weiss had to take the administration kicking and screaming to Absolutely. those areas. It wasn't until Jack Swarbrick showed up that that really started to change. Because remember, Charlie only had Jack for one year, and that was 09, and that was sort of Jack feeling out where everything was, right? He... Jack was wise. He said, I'm going to sit back for a year. I'm going to do certain things, but I want to see how he, he didn't come in and fire Charlie wide away, right away and do all these kind of things. He sat back and said, okay, let me see how this is going, get a feel for where everything is, and then we'll decide where to go next. And, and Jack is always, was always kind of two steps ahead. You know, he knew he could get Brian Kelly. He liked Brian Kelly, but there was two coaches that he offered a job to before Brian Kelly. He gave him quick periods to say yes or no, and then quickly moved on to Brian Kelly was Bob Stoops and Kirk Ferentz. And and so I mean the foot the, the the institution was not super supportive of Charlie in a lot of ways. They were not super but more so than they had been for Ty and Bob Davy and Lou Holtz. So it was getting progressively better but I mean Lou they I mean Lou got fought and it was worse in the 90s than it was at the beginning because there were some leadership changes and things like that. But by the, by the last four or five years of Lou's tenure, I mean, the institution was clearly fighting against him to keep yeah. him from continuing to have a dominant football program. Right. 
and you know you're just not going to win that way. But it's not a Marcus Freeman thing. It's a continuation of what the support they gave Brian Kelly. The difference is is Marcus Freeman has come into Notre Dame with more. Hey, here's here's more practical things that we can do now. That we can do now. Not well. We need you to do this. What we can do now. As an institution, we just need a little bit of help. We need you know, an extra $500,000. We need an extra $200,000 for me to go hire these analysts. And, and, this, it, and that's an easier fix than we need a new building that requires a whole lot of different level of funding, a whole lot. of. And that was the thing is like, it's not just hiring a chef. There's a whole infrastructure in place that comes to that that takes time. That's just a cop out. That's an excuse for Brian right. Kelly, who took his nutritionist with him to Notre Dame. So clearly he didn't think the new, that program sucked at Notre Dame because he took the freaking guy with him. Right. Um, but, you know, Marcus has understood that, look, we need to do what we need to take care of what we can do to get this thing to the next level. We're not at our peak as an as a football program. We're not at our peak as a coaching staff. We're not at our peak as a as all these things. We're not doing everything we can do to get there. So forget asking the institution for more things. We got stuff we got to handle first. And that's the difference. Brian Kelly thought I'd done everything because he was unwilling to admit that there were things he hadn't done. I don't want to turn this into a Brian Kelly thing, but I'm just making the point. So what I'm what I'm to answer the question is Brian Kelly had all the support he needed to to take the next step. He wasn't willing to make the decisions. He wasn't willing to make the fires that needed to happen. He wasn't willing to make the hires that needed to happen. It wasn't an institutional thing because look what happened last year when he wisely made the decision to go get Marcus Freeman. Jack Swarbrick said, "Whatever you need, let me know." Cause we're going to make sure we got to do what we got to do to get Marcus. Right. Brian Kelly even admitted, I was told, I told Marcus money's not going to be a problem. When was the last time Notre Dame football coach was able to call, tell an assistant coach money's not going to be a problem when going to battle with an SEC school. Right. Thanks. Cause the institution was doing the support it needed to do. If he would have fired Dell Alexander and Jeff Quinn, the school would have stepped up and done what they needed to do to make sure that they could get coaches to replace them. Right. Those were Brian Kelly problems, not Notre Dame institution problems. So the point is, the school has been supporting the football program for for years. Are they doing it in every way possible? Is the institution perfect? No. There are more. I've never said there aren't more things that they can do. It's just that the things that they haven't done yet aren't things holding you back from taking that next step. They're not the reason you kept Jeff Quinn and Dell Alexander around. They're not the reason you refused to Brian Van, fire Brian Van Gorder when everyone with, a, with any kind of football IQ whatsoever knew in 2014 that Brian Van Gorder was in over his head, right? Those are not Father Jenkins' problems. Those are not Jack Swarbrick problems. Those are not because you don't have a chef. Those are you. And I think that's what I like about Marcus Freeman is he's fighting for the things he thinks that, that they need from a bigger picture standpoint. But he's also not sitting there looking in the mirror saying, well, we've done everything we can. He's not doing that. And that's why it looks like he's getting more support. But he's not. He's just making the moves that the school would have supported if Brian Kelly would have tried to do them. And that's the difference. Timeout Tom says, if Kelly wasn't leaving and he continued winning nine to ten games a year, how many more years do you think Notre Dame would have tolerated Kelly with faults and never realistically contending for a championship? As long as Jack Swarbrick was at Notre Dame. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Yeah, and he then wasn't we gonna... it just would have depended on who his replacement was. Yeah. As, as long as Brian Kelly kept doing what he was doing, running, because, you know, there was, Notre Dame wasn't getting into trouble anymore. There was no academic scandals. There was, no, you know, there, there, you know, all of the, it's a good program, good, clean program. You're always in the conversation, you know, all of those different things that they're, yeah, he wasn't going to get rid of them. Right. I mean, 
Nor, nor should I mean you just can't fire a coach that's going ten and two every year. Exactly, exactly. Like, I mean, you, I, 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 I would have been okay with it because I'm not the one making that decision, and I didn't like Brian Kelly. But if you're in Jack Swarbrick's shoes, that have been a that have been a tough. I mean, as long as he's not doing things ethically and morally wrong, you wouldn't have fired him because because uh, of this. You'd have fired him because the players didn't want to play for him anymore because something. Like there had to have been something going on. I mean, and 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 I, I do respect Notre Dame for that to a degree. They're not just well. You've been going ten to two every year, but I won a title, so you're out of here after four years. I, I hate that. I hate that crap. But at the same time, I also feel you should demand excellence, and 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 so it, it's a it's not an easy answer. But I, I I have no problem with the way that Jack did it. And and I also but see also Jack was smart enough that Jack didn't just let Brian get whatever he wants. Which is why Brian left. Exactly. Because Jack wasn't going to renegotiate his contract again. When- right. And that's that's the difference, right? So he wasn't going to get fired, but he also wasn't going to get a raise. And so that's the difference right there. And I and obviously Brian Kelly didn't like that. So he left, but he had to leave on his own accord. And we said that a long time ago that Brian Kelly wasn't going anywhere unless he left because he wanted to leave or because he did something wrong, right? That's the only way there was going to be a change at the head coaching position. And you and I have had lamented that. We've had that conversation numerous times over the past few years. It's just like, well, I mean, this is this is what Notre Dame has, and this is who we're, we're going to have to, you know, deal with for X amount of time until he decides he doesn't want to be, you know, and that's ended up being what happened. Right. So. So Gabe Weiss says that he that he uh, thinks this green IB shirt is really smooth. It's actually an IB Nation shirt, and this I bought from the merch store. So I have it upstairs. Vince's That's white right. hat right there is also from the merch store. This is not, but the rest of this is. The flag is. So if you like the shirts, you can rock one because if you're watching the show, you're part of IB Nation. This shirt is for you too, and it is in the merch store. And I have not raised prices in a while, so even though things cost me more. Not going to cost you more right now because, again, we didn't do this necessarily to make a lot of money off the merch store, but to continue to build a community. So if you like the shirts, uh, go buy one at the merch store. You find a link below uh, on the YouTube channel. You'll find it. So definitely, definitely check that out. So anyway, Vince, back to the question. Yes. My gun says, if you could hit the rewind button on last season, would you change the order of the schedule at all? Why or why not? I don't think the order of the schedule last year was any kind of problem. I I think because if you'd have put the bad teams at the beginning, then Notre Dame would have just looked like they did at the beginning at the end. Right? I mean, it just and they, it, they wouldn't I don't think they would have looked as good, but they wouldn't have lost. I mean, and that's what it ends up being. I mean, I I do think the offensive I think the season would have gone ex- I don't I think they got better because the teams they played sucked. Part of it. I don't think that's all well, I think of it, that's though. the I, I think that's the primary reason. I think it's also because they put Andrew Kristofik in at guard. I mean, they made some changes. Yeah, but they still had they still had other issues. I mean, the the line still didn't play with any kind of technique. Agreed. They still had they still had Kane Madden at right Agreed. guard. My question still, is: Did Andrew was Andrew Kristofik significantly better than Zeke Carell, or did he happen to step into the lineup at the time when they didn't play teams like Florida State? I mean, they played a first round draft pick in the opener defensive end. They played another first round draft pick in at defensive end in week in game four, right? Against or game four, or was it four against Purdue, right? They played an, another team that had 
like five NFL draft picks on their defense in Cincinnati during that stretch. They didn't do that the rest of the way. They played bad teams. So although the offensive line got better, they would have still been bad against those teams. And I, and I, I don't, don't think, think the inc- the outcome of those games would have been any different. I think the outcomes would have been exactly the same. They still would have gone 11 and one. They still would have averaged about the same points. It's just that the, they would have looked good early. And I, and matter of fact, I think it would have been worse to change it around from a momentum standpoint, because then they, then you're going into the off season with the rough part of your schedule coming in November compared to being great September and and I don't know if we'd be having the same maybe positive vibes because I think you playing bad teams allowed them to get some momentum going into the offseason and allowed them to get some momentum going into the bowl game, you know, and, and so I think that that is something that helped as, as well, in my opinion. Zach Martin says, Brian, I asked Ryan his early 24 prospect crush, and he mentioned Nigel Smith. Do you have one yet, like Osbury in 23? 2024 prospects that I have, you know, I'll tell you what, there's a kid, there's, there's a few kids I like in 2024 and the board is still very new. Like, so keep that in mind. Like the board is very new and it's going to continue to grow, but there's a couple kids in the class that I kind of quickly go that, that just stand number one offensively. I love, I absolutely love Corey Smith, the running back from Wisconsin. Love that kid. He is Vince. I think you've seen film of him too. Super explosive kid, really talented kid. I like him quite a bit. There's a lot like Elijah Rushing, I like Nigel Smith's really good. But as far as like just the crush, Jay Sean Ross, the kid from Missouri, I love he's a six foot four, 220 pound defensive end that's playing wide receiver. Like, <laughs> I absolutely love that kid on film. So he he will probably kind of fall into that category for me of the kids that I've watched a lot of so far. So Corey Smith on offense so far. And Jay Sean Ross on defense would probably be my two guys that I'm just like, man, I love those because like, maybe they're not the highest ranked at whatever, but just kids, man, I just love those kids on film. Those would be the kids that I would look at, Vince. Those are the guys that I like. Righty, Bill is back with another question. He says, I honestly don't understand this Arch Manning hype. Some of these other 23 recruits, in my opinion, look a lot better. I think they're just hyping him up because of his uncles. I'm in the middle ground on this. I think what has happened on this, Vince, is he has gotten overhyped by some because of exactly what Bill said, his name. And so he's not the number one prospect in the country. He's not even the number one quarterback in the country, much less the number one overall player. But I think then the the, the counter to that is people are then not giving him enough credit because they're mad at the overhype of the other side. I had a buddy of mine say, I don't even think he's a top 100 player. And I was like, okay, now you've gone to the same insane like view as that. You're just on a different spectrum. Like To me, Arch Manning is a top 50 football player. He is a good quarterback. He's a really good quarterback. Is he one of the two or three best in the country? No. This is a loaded quarterback class. He is, to me, he's a top 50 guy. He's not elite. He's got really great tools, but he's not quite elite yet. Let's see how he does as a senior. He still only played through his junior season. He's an outstanding football player. If you if you change his last name to Jones, he's not ranked number one in the country. But he's not ranked ninety fifth either, and, and he's more like thirty to fifty for me. And that's where he should be. 
but I feel like we've kind of gone to one of two extremes with him in this conversation where people push back against the overhype with then not giving him enough props for his ability. And I think part of that with Notre Dame fans is we saw what he did against Keon Killey. Well, Keon Killey would have done that to just about anybody else he played. Right. Fun to watch. (laughs) I bet I will. Yes. And he doesn't play on a great team either. Like Bishop Isidore is not a great team. They just have him. There's like one other kid. Like I think one of his receivers is like a you know D1 prospect, but it helps to have a quarterback right. who can distribute. Exactly. He doesn't get enough credit by some. He gets overhyped by others because of his name. I, I think that's a fair. But for me, at the end of the day, Vince, he's a top 50 football player. Right. Anybody would be happy to get him. I mean, that's right. the bottom. Right. Right. This is a very interesting one here um, from nothing personal. Last offseason, Brian Kelly started putting in more effort in recruiting, and it started paying off. If he was starting to do what it took to win, why would he quit when he was starting the final stretch? My hunch is that he started to see the work it would take to get there, and he realized he didn't want to put that much effort. What do you guys think? I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it. Look, I think part of it, too, is he got offered a huge contract. I I mean – and here's the thing. If if at the end of the day, Kelly would have said, look, I was making five million a year at Notre Dame. I'm now going to make almost 10. I doubled my salary. And I took Notre Dame as far as I think I can take it. And I just was ready for a new challenge, and they offered a lot of money. You know what I'd say? Respect, coach. Appreciate you. Best of luck to you. And then just leave. Don't give me all the, oh, we didn't win because of this and all this other bull crap he said. I'd have had no problem with it. I would have ripped them for leaving your team before the flipping playoffs are announced to find out if you're going to be in the college football playoff or not, but that's who BK is. But I, I have no problem with that. I don't think he wanted to, I, I don't think he saw me doing this much recruiting on a national scale as something I can see myself doing. He's made that comment several times at LSU about how it's nice where they don't have to go all over the country because he only likes flying all over the country. If he's going to see donors and boosters and people that are going to tell him how great he is. He'll fly anywhere he needs to for that, especially if there's a round of golf mixed in with that. You know, so uh, I don't think he wanted to do that permanently. And I think he realized that to win at Notre Dame, you have to do this all the time. And he's not willing to do that. I, I also think there's legitimate. This is you're at a place for 12 years. It, it's understandable. And you've had sort of a consistent level of success. It's understandable to say, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm kind of at the end of my time at Notre Dame, whether it's this year, or next year, or the next year, to where it's coming to an end. But I'm also not old enough to retire when that's done. And so, an opportunity like LSU presents itself. They're throwing a ton of money at you. There's a lot of good reasons to go to LSU. I wouldn't do it. I don't think LSU's a better job but understandable why Brian Kelly would have done it. I don't have a problem with that. And I think that's the, those are the reasons ultimately that he left. And he, he feels that I think some of the things he says, he believes, he believes that he has a better chance to win at LSU than Notre Dame. He truly believes that Brian Kelly doesn't think he was lazy on the recruiting trail. I mean, the things he says, he believes he's just wrong in my opinion, but and I think it he wasn't, believes all those things. Never said I took Notre Dame as far as I could take it he's saying I took it as far as they can go like that's what he's saying he, yes that's he exactly what he said 
right further where he took it right and he said that that's right. not it's not a secret right it's not saying well i've taken it as far as i can go i'm gonna go try another challenge like that those are two different things you know what right. i mean like he's his ego and I, head coaches have egos like but his ego says Hey, if I can't do it, nobody can do it. So I'm going to go someplace else. A hundred percent. And I think that's been one of the issues that he's had since the success that Marcus Freeman has done has had is because I, I think he's like, wait, hold on a second. Like, um, I, 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 I think that kind of bothers him a little bit. Yes. He says, Absolutely. and this is what he said. He said, I felt like I did everything that I could at Notre Dame and they felt like they did everything they could for me. So like he kind of said I did, but it was more of like a like he, not saying what you said he should have said, Vince, but saying it in a way where it's almost like it was almost like a shot. But I don't want to yeah. keep talking about Brian Kelly. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and look, was I'm he only putting, talking about him today is because people are asking about him. And he was putting on a recruiting trail because Marcus Freeman was asking him to. I mean, let's be honest about it, right? He's like, hey, I need you to close these guys for me. You know what I mean? Like. But that's what the role of the head coach is supposed to be. So, again, we all know this. All right. V-Dub 804. Why does so many Notre Dame fans think Notre Dame can't go into Ohio State and win? That loser mentality drives me crazy. Oregon went in there last year and won. So why can't Notre Dame? B-K-P-T-S-D. It's a lot of letters, but it's correct. All it is. It's when you say it slowly, it's on BKPTSD. It's because Notre Dame doesn't win these games. They haven't for a long time. Uh, and 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 look, we don't know that Marcus Freeman is going to fix that. He's oh. got to prove that. That's the first thing he's got to prove is that Notre Dame can not only go, not only, I mean, f- forget winning these games. You got to prove that you can be competitive in these games. Yeah. The only teams that they've been competitive against in this scenario are teams like Georgia who don't score. Right. Like, but anytime they've played a team with an explosive offense in this type of situation, or even a good offense, they got, they've gotten blown out. So that's why, I mean, I, and I think that a lot of fans and this, I understand, I think there's a lot of fans that don't want to get, and this is part of the BK PTSD. They don't want to get too excited thinking we're going to go to Columbus and win and then get stomped. And just the deflation, like set the bar here. And then if you get blown out, it's like, oh, okay, I expect that. It's just the first game. It's just, the, you know, but, but you know, or, or if you play close and you, it's like, oh, I can get a moral victory out of that. But then if you win, it's just utter elation. So I understand that. I think Notre Dame has, still has a lot to prove. I, I don't have – I understand why Notre Dame is a 14-and-a-half-point underdog or whatever it is now against Ohio State because that's who Notre Dame's been for the last decade, right? I mean – Outside of 2012, when was the last time Notre Dame went on the road against a top 10 team and, and won a game like that? I'd say 2012 was the last time was Oklahoma, right? I think so. Every other big one they've had like that's been at home, right? Clemson, Michigan State in 2013, even though Michigan State was not ranked at the time, but they ended up being a really good team. So that would be that would be my my thing. Matt Mc. Oh, hello. Sorry, there was a bug that flew across my face. I was trying to grab it. Uh, how do you think Jabron Payne could be used in a role to Theo Riddick? Do you think Jabron? Yes, I he think so. Yeah, I think so, Mark, Matt. I think he could be that because, you know, Theo was not a natural receiver, but he was a, a good slot. He could run enough routes. He could run seams. He could run outs. He could run slants. He could run crossing routes, things that were more about athleticism than being a pure receiver. And he's successful there. So, yeah, I, 
I think we could see him in a role like that. I don't think that's why they recruited him per se, but I could see him in a role like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, we might've mentioned this before in the past, but yes, I, I definitely see, I definitely see some similar body type, you know, thick. I mean, Theo had more of a running back build, but he was quick and elusive and, and, and all those type of things. And I would argue that if Jabron Payne gets back to being hundred percent healthy, he's faster than what Theo was too. I would argue. I, I could be wrong. But I would argue that that's that that's true. Sky Shark four twenty five with the super chat. Thank you very very much. Dan Sickles, Peach Orchard, good idea, bad idea, go. I don't have a clue what that means, Vince. Full reference, um, huh? leave, and that's about as far as I know. Yeah. I studied the Civil War in a really really long time. Oh, I just saw it. It's a Gettysburg thing, so. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that, to be honest with you. Interesting. I know what I'm going to be reading about this evening. Look it up a little bit, to be perfectly honest with you, to give a, you know, legit opinion on on that for sure. I forgot about how we usually do our our mailbags, Brian. I should have plugged my computer in. Why? Because you're you're at what now? Okay. So, is your cord nearby? I can go grab it in a second. Yeah. I'll, yeah just... I'll pull this next question up, start answering it, and then you can go get yeah. your, your thing. So, um, so Ian Johnson asks, would you rather high school talent be spread out and no super dominant teams or what we've had the past few years, couple teams running college football and getting most high-end talent? I don't know. Would I rather – High school talent be spread out. I get what you're saying. So you're saying recruits going to. Okay, I, I'm a big believer in rewarding success. So Ian, I would not mandate anything. Not that you're asking me to. I always prefer that there be more good teams. I think that makes the overall product better. I think it's more enjoyable when you just don't can't assume that this team's going to go out and dominate week after week. That's no fun. But you know what also is not fun and is a big reason? Like, I have people that know my politics think that I stopped watching the NFL because of politics. I stopped watching the NFL before any of that stuff came about. I stopped watching the NFL when every year it seemed like a 9-7 and team was going to the Super Bowl. And you couldn't play defense and all that. But, like, I hate parody that's manufactured. I hate manufactured parody. I hate parody that's created because of – you made rules to make it harder for teams to be great. I don't like standing in front of greatness. If you want to be better, then go do what you need to do to get better. So I would much rather see the best high school talent spread out and that there be more good teams and more great games and more teams in contention for a championship, but only if it comes because the other programs did what they needed to do to start competing with those programs. That's that's how I'd say it. So, yes, I would prefer that. But my concern, Ian, is that right now all the proposals for making that happen are built around punishing the teams doing it in a successful manner and and making like what I hate about this a modern cultural movement in America in so many different levels is we want to bring the top down instead of lifting the bottom up. Despise it. Hate it. If you're not one to do what you need to do for excellence, then you're just not going to be excellent. Don't lower the standard of what excellent is. And that's that's my thing. So I would prefer that more there be more good teams. 
but as long as they're actually good, not we don't have any good teams left. Like to me, last season wasn't quite as much fun for me because there weren't any uh, excellent teams. Like, I didn't enjoy watching Cincinnati in the college football playoff. You know, some people maybe did, but I, I like excellence. Yeah. I love excellence. And if if I would much rather see 10 excellent teams than two. Right. But if you bring the excellence down, then you're not – There's you just have 10 good teams, not – there's no excellence. And that's what I don't like. And, and that's why I've disliked any of the, you know, don't let Bama spend this amount of money on their analysts or this. Why? How about you start spending that kind of money? There's other programs with more money than Alabama has. They're in freaking Alabama. I mean, come on. You know what I mean? So I, that's my only thing, Ian, is I would love to see the best players being spread out around. I would love to see the best coaches being spread out. I would love to see more parity as long as it's pe- excellence, right? Not a bunch of nine and seven teams like the NFL had. I want to see uh, – I mean, just you're going nine and three – because man, you played five epic games and your conference is just super good. And as opposed to, I went nine and three because everybody's just kind of okay now. That's the difference, right? And in the NFL, it was that was my thing. It wasn't that these nine and seven teams. It was just a loaded NFL, and there was no. It's just like eh, there's nobody any good. There's no great. There's no Dallas of the '90s. There's no Niners of the '80s and '90s at the time when I stopped watching. There was no. 98, 90, 97, 98 Broncos. There was no, you know, 80s Giants. There, there was no team. It was just a bunch of eh, teams. And and I don't enjoy that. I, you know, I just I just don't enjoy that. So that's my soapbox question for the day. I like it. I can roll with it. All right. Gabe wants to know, who do you guys want to see in the NBC booth this fall? Oh, boy. Uh, this is a loaded um, I know who I don't want to see in the NBC booth this year. I no. don't want to see Jack Collinsworth in the NBC oh, booth that this year. Worst call ever. And I don't. And I saw some people say that it's going to be Jack Collinsworth, and who else? Who's going to be the color guy? Jason Garrett. I don't not nope. But I don't know I, anything about Jason Garrett as an analyst. Did he do games this past year, or wasn't he coach? So coaching this past year, Giant staff. I thought so, but I don't know he if was that was the, this year or the, the year before or whatever. Hey, I've heard Jason Garrett speak in press conferences. I'm nope, I'll pass. But for me, it's about the play by play guy. And I do not want Jack Collinsworth to be the play by play guy. I don't. And that's, yeah. and I thank my lucky stars that I'm going to be at all the games because I won't have to listen to it. So yeah. that's honestly, that's where I'm at. I, I think that would be yeah. terrible. I'm not trying to be disrespectful when I say this, I'm really not. I don't have a personal issue with Jack Collinsworth. Never really met him. Like other than like just walking by him at press con, I've never met the guy. This is just an observation of visibility. He has the job he has now because he's Chris Collinsworth's son, and he sounds just like his dad. Cool to his dad. But the quality of what's coming out is not very good. It just, just not. And play by play, and, and look, his dad is a color commentator. Right. We're looking for a play by play voice. So two completely different things. Yeah. Completely different things. I heard that he has done XFL games or something along those lines. I've never heard Jack Collinsworth. It's just the same old thing. It's they're going to use Notre Dame as their minor league system to get him ready to start going to do NFL games. That's the only reason they would bring Jack Collinsworth here. 
impressed with Jack Collinsworth as a as a yeah. commentator. That's right? why if I'm Notre Dame, I'm leaving. I, if I'm Notre Dame, I'm going to use NBC to get me a much better deal from Fox. That's what I yes. do. Because yes. NBC treats Notre Dame as their minor league team. And that's why they had Drew Brees on there. Now, I love that Mike Tirico was on there. Mike Tirico is a pro. Oh, yeah. But Absolutely. that's been few and far between. And then, of course, the first chance they get to bump him up to the big time, the big leagues, they do. But, like, you know, Drew Brees was an experiment they used Notre Dame to experiment for. And and then you look at, like, to me, Jack Cosworth and Jason Garrett's the same thing. You, yes. want, you want Jack Cosworth because he's a name, and, and they may think he has talent, but whatever. I mean, everyone can you know, has different things that they can agree or disagree on. But you're going to use Notre Dame as an experiment to get him ready to go be one of your main, you know, sure. Sunday night football guy or something like that, right? Uh, I hard pass for me. I just I've I've ne- I've never never listened to an interview or a segment or anything he's done. Going back to his time at Notre Dame, where I'm like, wow, it was really good. Only ever said, gee, he sounds a lot like his dad. That's it. And that's yep. not personal. I, he could be the greatest kid in the world. I've never met Jack Consworth beyond, like I said, beyond just walking just by him in the hallway table I, I i'm not impressed that i mean i've always thought that he's there because of who he is not of what he's right. done he's got a and, great voice i mean if if the talent was there i'd be all for it he's went to school at notre dame right we've always said we want notre dame people in the booth right he's got a great voice right which matters it's just i but I, at the end of the day i still care more about what comes out of the voice and the words being said than than the other thing. And, and, you know, but look, he is still young. I'll, I'll say that he's still young. He's still growing. I just feel he was thrown into things that he was not ready for because his, ta- it, it, he, he was given opportunities beyond his talent. Now, maybe he works hard and gets better. I don't know what kind of work ethic he has. Maybe he takes it super seriously. And because it is his alma mater and because he does have aspirations, he could maybe put in a ton of work, study, do whatever, and then be good at this. I hope that's true. Right and and I, that'd be awesome for Notre Dame. I just haven't seen it yet. It feels like he would be getting this job not based on what he has done. Sure, like agree. That. that doesn't mean he couldn't then turn it into something good. He'd be very good at the beginning of the season or right away. You know what I mean? It would it would be right. like I mean, look. Let's be honest. Lane Kiffin got some opportunities during his career that because he was he was Monty Kiffin's kid, but he's turned that into turning right. into a darn good football coach. Took some bumps in the road along the way, but he's turned it into becoming a really good football coach. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. So, who would you want? Do you care? I mean, do you have specific anybody I don't in really mind? Have a pre- I just want somebody. I mean, I've said this before. I, you know, I, another reason I want Notre Dame to go to Fox is because I want Gus Johnson doing all their games. I think that would be a great I, fit. I don't like. I don't often agree with Joel. Although Joel Clad had a great segment on Colin Cowherd, Colin Cowherd show recently. I don't often agree with Joel Clatt's football college football takes. He's had some good ones about NIL, but he had a segment where he's talking about USC that was excellent, spot on, and about and some NIL stuff that was really spot on. But normally, I don't agree this takes, but I love Joel Klatt as a color guy in football. I think he's excellent in 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 giving analysis of games in ways that I believe common fan. Well, I mean common fans. That sounds so insulting, but like people that aren't football coaches or former football players, like just the everyday fan. He he. He can give you good detail in a way that's easily digestible. Like Mike Mayock. I love Mike. I loved Mike Mayock, but we're talking about two different languages to a degree, you know? But I think Joel Klatt is excellent. I think him and Gus Johnson are the most entertaining play-by-play duo in 
any level of football, NFL. Fantastic. Right. It was fantastic. Right. It was. it was a relatively boring game until the very end, and they made it entertaining. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I'm with you 100% on that. Yeah. If we're talking reality as to who could potentially be in the booth this year for NBC, look, Paul Burmeister, I think, does a decent yeah. job on radio. His 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 past, his history is on TV. Right. And so I think he would do a he fine job. He filled in a few Notre Dame games right. in the past, and I thought he did a very good job. He would do I just. I, I've never heard Ryan. Ha- I've never really heard Ryan Harris do uh, TV. I don't know if he'd be good in that role. I just don't know. I have watched Paul do TV. Like I don't know what Paul does on the radio. I mean, I, I, it's not like you can down DVR the radio broadcast and we're you know I just don't listen to it. But like when he's filled in for spring games or there was times in the past when like Tariko couldn't be there. I thought he does a great job. I think Paul would be very good. He's who I would get, but he's not a name like Jack Collinsworth. Correct. But like, but that goes to your point. How does, how does he get that job over Paul Burmeister? Exactly. Who's and far more accomplished and talented in my opinion. That's a good job. He is, he's a little bit too much of a Homer for my take, but NBC is your home thing. So, you know, that Who's would that? be Paul Burmeister. Harris. Like, oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. He'll be like in the background as as Paul Burmeister is calling a play. He'll be in the background like, woo! You know, like it, it, it's kind of like a Cubs broadcast. You know what sure, I mean? Sure. Oh, man. Which I kind of like. You know, I'm thing. not going to lie to you. I, I Because you get so much anti-Notre Dame sentiment when they play road games. I wouldn't mind balancing it out with a I, – you know. As, the thing with Ryan is all I would care about. And, again, I don't know this true or not. I'm just saying, like, this is just true of any former Notre Dame player. As long as they know the game and they know the current team. Like what I hate is when you get former players that are talking and they can explain X's nose, but then they don't really know the team. Right. They'll make right. comments like, like I watched a little and Brian and Ryan made a comment, like, you know, DJ Brown's one of their best secondary players. I'm like, really? You know, yeah. you sure about that? But I also thought he brought some good. That's the only game I've ever listened to him do was the blue gold game. I thought he did a decent job. Right. Uh, just, there was a few things was like, I don't know if he knows the team like I think he should. Sure. But I also think that if that was his full-time job, Ryan's a really smart guy. And he loves Notre Dame. He would have a firmer gra- grip on that, I think. But I, I would be perfectly fine if they took their TV crew and turned it into – or the, 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 the radio crew and turned it into the TV. I, I would much rather have that. Than Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett. Hundred percent agree with that. I mean, hundred because look, Brady Quinn's not realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know what the who the Golics are underneath right now. As far as I think they're self-employed potentially. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, Mike Golick would maybe be a, a color option. Right. I thought he did a good job back in the day when he would do color for games. And I've heard Junior do color, and I think he does a good job. So like, I would be fine with. I don't those know if two. I've ever paid attention to, to Junior doing a game. Low level bowl games, sure. I, I watched. I, yeah. He did fine. Maybe um, I have. I just don't remember. But I, I, I do remember listening to Dad, and he's like you said, he'd be a much cheaper option because you know he's. Or here's a thought: if you want to promote Paul and Ryan to TV, bring in the Dad to be your radio guy, and then when Ryan Harris moves on to bigger and better things, he will you know? I mean, right? Because that's yeah. Then, then you've got you've got you know, I, I'd be totally fine. Or maybe you don't even have him. Maybe you bring him in to be like a halftime pregame guy for NBC. Sure. Like that's what they should be doing, right. is is moves like that. But they don't care enough about Notre Dame, which is yeah. why I would love to see CBS or Fox 
you know, throw a ton of money at Notre Dame because CBS really doesn't have the SEC anymore. Right. So they can make Notre Dame their only I mean it's Notre Dame and the AAC, but they're always gonna have Notre Dame be the prime thing. They would make the whole thing about they don't have a pregame show or anything like that. So I would I would love to see one of those two things happen, in my opinion. That would be phenomenal for me. And then you could get a better, you know, talent to do those games. And then you can start having Aaron Taylor do some of your some of your stuff for Notre Dame. Because he cool. works for CBS. Yeah, I think he does yeah. a good job. Because he's called a couple Notre Dame Navy games. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Yes. And he's done a really good job on them. Uh, Tommy Gunn says if the NCAA really had a set of cojones, uh, they'd limit the number of teams in a conference to 10. Agree? Why or why not? Agree. I, I, I would love to see them go back to it was the Big Ten, the Big East, the ACC, the SEC, the Big Eight. You can make it the whatever. And then the Southwest Conference and the Pac-12. What's that, seven? Seven or eight? I would love to see that. And look, because you could still do it to where it's the same number of teams and you're just, instead of split, you know, instead of splitting it, because then it's like, okay, let's say the SEC decided, which would be phenomenal, like if Mike Slade really wanted to do what's best for college football, he would say, instead of making one super conference with two divisions or four pods or whatever, we're going to make, two conferences under the same leadership. We're going to bring back the Southwest conference. So most of the Southwest conference is now in the sec, right? So if I rem- I'm, I'm going to pull up the old Southwest conference, right? Cause I believe Texas was in it They're They're now, they're now there. Oklahoma was a big 18, but it was Arkansas. They're now in the Southwest conference. It was Oklahoma actually was in it. You had Texas, and Texas A&M. So four of those teams were in it. I always thought the Missouri was in it. But so it would be Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas, Texas Tech. But you could put then Missouri out there. You could maybe do like Kentucky. But, you know, because you're going to add two more teams because they're going to be up to 18. Add two more teams, make two 10 conference teams. But you bring back the one as a separate conference. Now, I'm negotiating as my, you know, slide. I'm negotiating deals for both of my leagues under the same umbrella. What what one does, the other does. You know, so maybe you can then go, you know, you can maybe then go steal TCU and and Baylor out of the out of the the Big Twelve because then they'd have to because they'd have to get rid of two teams, right? The Big Twelve can't be at twelve. They have to get rid of a couple teams. Maybe they do something different. I I, I would completely. Like if there's been a lot of talk about, I should probably do an article about this or maybe a series of shows this summer where if I was the king of college, they've always talked about there being a college football commissioner. Yeah. And if, if, if college football was going to kind of come under one umbrella, that's not necessarily the NCAA and we're going to be part of one big institution, instead of like 32 teams, like 70, 75, right. I would, I would, one of the things I would do is I would change the conference structure. I would say, if you're going to submit to being part of this entity, then you have to submit to a deal where we're going to have, you know, we're, we're going to sort of make it to where we have TV deals with, with outlets, Fox, ESPN, and all this, but the money's going to get distributed across those. So the TV money is going to be split evenly. Now, your booster money, your donor money, there's no cap on that. But the TV money is going to get split of, between everybody in these leagues, right? So there's nobody jumping from the Big Ten to go here or the Big 12 to go here for more money. 
right? We're going to get back to the leagues being what they are. We're not going to have teams in the Southeastern Conference in the Southwestern freaking part of the United States. Right. Okay. It, you know, so, and then kind of go back to that. And you could even say, hey, look, if you want to have an independent league, right, then then we we can have an independent part of this entity too. So if Penn State wanted to go back to being an independent instead of being in the Big Ten or the Big East, because you can only have 10 teams. So some teams are going to have to move around. That's okay, because we're all part of this new college football world where everybody's getting the same amount of money from TV. Because that's why the independent division went away, and that's why the Big East went away. It's all because it, it was about money. TV money. Yeah. ESPN has done so much harm to college football while also doing a lot of good. And I think that would that would be a great move, but that would only work. The NCAA can't do that. The NCAA legally can't do this based on the current rules. The current legal rules are because this ha- this came through a court case is that the conferences could negotiate their own TV deals. So you'd have to break off from the NCAA, start this new college football universe, and then team the schools would have to then agree to be part of this deal where the money would be spread out. It would have to be agreed upon entering into that division. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think the SEC is going to do that. So that's why I've said the Big Ten could show some leadership and say the Big Ten could say, hey, everybody else, we're going to get together. Screw the SEC. We're going to get together, and we're going to form this thing, and you guys can either come along for the ride or you can do your own little thing down there but you're going to become irrelevant after a while because there's 50 of us and 20 of 18 of you, right? Something like that, you know, and we're not going to play you. We're not going to schedule you unless you jump on our thing. So are they going to just keep playing each other and reward their own little trope? Okay, fine. People in the Southeast might care about that, but there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be like, man, this is, this is lame. Right? So that's something I would do. I would definitely do that and then make more conferences Seven conferences of eight. You can have eight to ten teams. You don't have to have ten, but you have to have at least ten. That's what I would do. I think that'd be be awesome. Be awesome. Okay, we got a little bit of a math problem here. Uh, I hope you're ready for this. Mike Michaels says saying is greater than more is greater than or equal to car. No. Take the first one and slide it all the way back to the end. And then get rid of the equals two. Oh, you're saying okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So you move the first one to the back of the line, and then get rid of the equal sign. And it's more greater than car is greater than saying, is what you would say. Correct. And here's another one. It says Dante is greater than car is greater than saying. So Brandon nailed it. Brandon nailed it. Correct. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Earlier, Mark Stewart was talking about... Um, and I Notre Dame and NIL, and he, he made a great point. I mean, he talked about Rocket. Another one is right. Brady Quinn. Could you imagine the deals that Brady Quinn would have got when he was here too? But but you know, Rocket, I mean, good Lord. Like Elon Musk might have signed Rocket to an NIL deal. Like think about that. I mean, I'm being serious. You know what I mean? Like if he had his thing back then. You know, of course, Elon Musk wasn't, you know, wasn't that guy. Then I'm just making the point. Like 
if if he if he was existed if Rocket was uh, existed like right. he's playing college football now. No, you're absolutely right. right. There, there were so many opportunities for guys back in the day. There's no doubt about it. Right. Irish for Life says, question, is there any hope for the Indiana football program? How good can IU be? What can IU do to get there? Hope for the IU program, Indiana program, in regard to you know being a bowl team on a consistent basis? Absolutely, I think they sure. can get there. I think they have to make the right hire, but I think there's enough talent in Indiana, in Illinois, in Ohio, in Kentucky, in Tennessee, and then you know go find some three-star kids in Texas and, and Florida and things like that, to where you can be a competitive-ish team. You know, six to seven wins a year. Casey win eight or nine. Casey have the rebuilding year, but I, I don't think there's any reason that Indiana can't be that. It's just a program like Indiana needs a dynamic coach. And the problem is, is that in today's era, there is still enough of a money difference to where you could go to Indiana, be successful, and somebody's going to offer you double to triple what your salary is. So unless Indiana is willing to spend big boy bucks, they're never right. going to be that kind of team. But, you know, can they be a team that can consistently be successful? And then if they do get the right coach for a four or five year period, they kind of take that next step. Sure. Sure. I can think they could. I think they could certainly be that. I mean, you know, you think about some similar teams like, if Kentucky can do it in the SEC, why can't Indiana do it in the Big Ten West? Or are they in the East? They're in the West, right? Indiana's in the West. He's in whatever Michigan and Ohio State. Okay, so are they're in, in the East, which doesn't make a lot of sense geographically, but whatever. About the geography that makes a whole right. lot of sense. Right. So, uh, but yeah, I, I would, I would do that, Vince. I would do that. Okay. What do you think of their coach now? The 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 guy that they've got really good defensive coordinator. Really good motivator, motivator. great, I, I, great I, human being. Just not a super fired up about him as a head coach. Fair enough. I was just curious what your thoughts were, Tom Allen. I don't know if I've ever seen a coach who can get his players as as bought into him as Tom Allen. Not an easy just, thing to do. But you got to you got to tell him where to go the right way. <laughs> I think that's that's kind of the issue. Funny. Yeah. Okay, um, Tyler. Tyler Bedwell says, I'm going to get so much hate for this, but Sean Crawford was a great Notre Dame fit, but not a championship-level guy. He was a solid player, but wasn't great and never saw him getting there. Well, I mean, if you're talking about the Sean Crawford post two knee injuries and torn Achilles, sure. But Sean Crawford coming out of high school was flat out a legitimate Notre Dame caliber player. He was going to be starting on that 2015 team as the nickel until he remember that. out. That, yeah. and then he came back the next year after tearing his knee up. A year later, he starts the first two games, plays great against Texas, has a pick that he runs back almost for a touchdown, plays really well against Nevada, and then pff, Achilles gone. And he just was never the same guy after that. But he then still came back and was a pretty darn good nickel player for Notre Dame in 2017 until the next year he tore his other knee. The fact that he was able to even be a Competent. solid player – as a 5'9 DB that's had two ACL surgeries and a torn Achilles, says a lot about how dynamic of an athlete he was. He was also super instinctive. He was explosive athletically coming out of high school. Like, Sean Crawford was a legitimate top 100 player coming out of high school. It's, is what kept him competitive after exactly. all of all. His, this kept him, but it also says about him being not the athlete he was – 
but still able to do what he did says a lot about the athlete he was before the injuries. Yep. So yes, he he started up here. If he just would have had one of those injuries, not all three, he'd have been a darn good college football player. Like a darn good college football player. Like there's no reason he couldn't have been Julian Love for me. There's no reason. None. He was faster. He was more explosive. He just is about an inch and a half shorter. That's it. So yeah, he um he was phenomenal. Uh I want to bring up something. Uh Brandon was talking about my football memory, and, and Will Chesanic said, uh, Brian's taking off where Lou left off. Rest in peace. Um, I'm not even close to Lou, but having one person on this planet say me in the same sentence as Lou Samoji is about as big of a compliment as you can give me. And I appreciate that because that is he was the greatest. Greatest guy, greatest football mind. I've been thinking, I always think about Lou a lot, but when I heard that, that Roger Valdeseri died last night, obviously you think of Lou because you'd be, I'd be sitting in the office with BGI and Roger would come in and just listening to him, him and Lou talk was like one of the greatest joys. Like I'm getting paid to do this. Like this is pretty awesome. But anyone that would ever compare me to Lou Samoji, uh, number one, I don't agree. I'm not like I'm doing the best I can, but I'll never be Lou or anywhere close. No one will. But the fact that somebody said it is is incredibly is an incredibly great honor and respect, and I appreciate that very. I want I don't normally bring up compliments into the show, but like that's more about Lou. But man, that's that's an incredible honor, and I and I truly truly appreciate that. I truly appreciate that. Little gravy with a super chat. Thank you very much. Uh, asks. Scale of one to ten, what is y'all's confidence on Caleb Downs? I think I said the other day I was like a five. I think I can't remember what I said when we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I'd probably go like a five. I think he likes Notre Dame a lot. I just think at the end of the day he's going to stay at Georgia, or Alabama. I think Notre Dame is a legitimate player for him, which is why I'm not like at a three right now. From and where he's, he's at, he's getting ready to make his fourth visit to Notre Dame in June. You don't take four visits right. if you're not legitimately interested in a, in, in a, in a program. I just, I just don't see that. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to have to wrap this up soon because we're getting up on four hours and uh, there's right, still a ton of great questions. So uh, let's get four or five more and then we'll, 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 hit, we'll hit, hop out of here. Question. Who has to step up for Notre Dame to pull out the win at Ohio State win the college football playoff. Are they the same people? Yeah, you're going to need really good play from the quarterback position. Yeah, right? Tyler so, Buckner, top of the list. Same answer for both. I mean, O line. You need your O line to step up and play well, right? So all those guys. The second corner step up. Whoever yeah. that happens to, be. you know what I mean. I, that's, Lorenzo Styles. Sure. Right. Um, Riley Mills, Maris Lufau. Those are Safety all gonna be, is on the side of Joseph. Right. <laughs> right. Those are all guys going to be incredibly important to that. And Potentially. yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. It's going to have to be, that. they're, they're going to have to win it. It's not going to be one guy that I don't think is going to win the game for them. Right. I don't, I don't see that being the case. Um, now, could Tyler Buckner put the team on his, on his back and, and carry them to a win? Okay, I could see that happening, but 
but I really do feel like it's going to have to be a team win. You know, they're going to have to have right. guys step up all over the place. At the top of the list, though, is the quarterback and the O line. I mean, that, those are the two. Those two play well against Ohio State. You got a shot to win. If those two well keep playing well, you got a shot to beat anybody on a negative Agreed. Saturday. Uh, here's an interesting comment to somebody I will Chanik said, I think Reggie Bush is the best college football player I have ever seen. And I don't think it's even, it's really close. I assume he's kind of a late nineties guy to now Vince. I have a question for you. Who's the best college football player from, from let's say late nineties on. So I don't think it's Reggie Bush. I think Reggie Bush had one of the best single seasons. Because seeing him in person was, it was dynamic. Yeah, like, he was special. About seeing them like with his own two eyes, like I never, never really, I never got a chance to see Rocket play in person. You know, I never got a chance to see Tim Brown play but in you, person. You still watch TV, and you still, you know. And then, like that was '87. I was six, right? Or Rocket was what early '90s or late '80s, early '90, '88 to '90. Yeah, I really appreciate what I was seeing. What when when Reggie came on to the scene, that was like 05, 06. So the, now you're talking 24, 25 for me. Like that's when I was like, he was doing things that I was like, man, I'd love to not be playing against that guy. And I was, wish he was in, you know, a Notre Dame uniform, like that kind of a thing. Um, but he was, he was dynamic. Uh, no question about it. I'm trying to think of some other guys that I would put in that. I mean, vein. here's my thing in Reggie's best year. I don't still think he was the best player in college football. Who was Vince? Vince. I mean, Vince Young was phenomenal that year, and when when they met on the the biggest stage, Reggie played well that game. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, Reggie played really well that game, and it was stupid that he wasn't in the game in that last play. But Vince Young was a monster that year. I mean, he was an absolute monster that year. I mean, threw for three thousand yards, rushed for a thousand yards. See right, so right. I mean, right, but I mean, he had a lot of talent on the team too. I mean, that a lot of dudes drafted. I mean, that those two great teams, but you know, I thought Vince was an, unreal that year as well. I mean, he just had a, a tremendous year. So, I mean, obviously, we're older. I saw Barry Sanders playing at college, and I wasn't very old, but I still knew that was something special. Rocket was a better player than Reggie Bush. It's just the air he played in. That. He didn't have the numbers. He wasn't going to produce the numbers. But I, mean, like I think I think I think with all due respect, Tim Tebow's got to be in this conversation. Yeah, I mean, he was he a great pretty, college player. I think Lamar leader. Jackson has to be in this conversation. Lamar was a incredibly. I mean, Lamar Lamar had as many big runs as Reggie had. Like I mean, like like wow, that was impressive. And people often we've talked about this before. People forget that Lamar threw for over three thousand yards. I mean, he wasn't just like he wasn't like Michael Vick. And when he because Michael Vick was mostly a runner in college, sure. right? I mean, you know, but but and that's another guy that redshirt freshman year for Michael Vick was unreal. I mean, unreal good, but yeah, I mean, th- those are Peter Warwick was a tremendous player in college, and that was a little bit before maybe the, t- the window we're talking about. Uh, I'm just trying to think of some different players that that um, I'd say Reggie, Bo- Bo- Reggie Bush is probably my pick for the best running back in the last 20 years. But I don't know if I could say best player. What's that? I said five o'clock somewhere. No, I got to send Sean some stuff for a meeting tonight. So, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I, I, I would, that's probably, I mean, and Trevor, Trevor Lawrence is a great player. I mean, Joe Burrow 
Joe Burrow's one single season at LSU was better than anyone's. But but then it's like, okay, but Reggie had three great years. I mean, there's all types of ways to look at it. No one's talking about Indomitian Sue. I mean, Indomitian Sue is probably the most dominant college football player I've, I've ever seen, just physically dominant, even more so than Orlando Pace, right? I mean, just he was special, but usually we we, we focus on him. Avion Clowney play oh, defense yeah. in college. But he was just so inconsistent, though. I know. Like so, he, the, but the high plays. was fun to watch if you were watching a highlight reel. Sure, sure. But if like Indomitian Sue just could take over an entire game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and just just dominate an entire game. So those are those are always really interesting conversations, uh, in in my opinion. That you know, you look at and say, boy, that um, that's a, you know, I mean, because like, and then you could talk to people older than me, and they'd start talking about Herschel Walker and yeah. Bo. Well, Bo only had really like one great year. They never really used him. Herschel was just a monster from the moment he stepped foot on campus. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at like compare their stats in college. I mean, like I think there were two years that Bo didn't even have a thousand yards, and again, that was that was more about how he was used than it was anything about about Bo. Uh, but I mean, his and then of course, like I said, Barry Sanders. I don't say that Barry Sanders was the greatest college player because he only was a starter for one year, but there was never a better single season than the one. And why aren't we talking about Christian McCaffrey? Christian yeah. McCaffrey was way more productive than Reggie Bush was. I mean, he broke Barry Sanders' all-purpose record. He doesn't get enough respect because of where he played because nobody gives a crap about Stanford. It was the same conference, and he was a a more productive player and should have won a Heisman Trophy. Herschel Walker, in his three years, played 11 games each year, Vince. And I don't think they counted bowl games back then. Year one, 1,616 yards as a freshman, 15 touchdowns. Sophomore year, 11 games, 1,891 yards, 18 touchdowns. Junior year, 1,752 touchdowns and 16 yards and 16 touchdowns. And everybody knew he was getting the ball on every single play. Right. I mean, it was – yeah, Bo had 2,000-yard seasons. Excuse me. As a freshman, he had 829 yards. As a junior, he had 475 yards in 12 games. I don't know how that happened. As a sophomore, he had – 1,213 and and 12 touchdowns. As a senior, when he won the Heisman, he had 1,786 and 17 touchdowns. So, yeah, he was pretty pretty dynamic. He was pretty dynamic. But he didn't have the year after year that that Herschel Walker had. And Herschel Walker's rushing record for touchdowns in the SEC was broken by Tim Tebow, who, again, I – I despised the hype about him because meaning like he's all they ever talked about was right. Tim Tebow. Oh my okay, God. there's there's other games today, fellas, but it doesn't there, take away from how great he was. Tim Tebow fatigue, right. but he was a great college right. football player, no question. Right. right. It was that was part of my issue with LeBron James early in his career. Wasn't that to respect is. his game? Well, my issues with him go way beyond that now. Well, that's but fair enough. Early on, it was like, okay, he's great, blah blah blah. Can we talk about someone else, please? You know, and and that, but that's kind of you know that's kind of what it's been like. It's been like that for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how it was for Larry Bird when I was a kid. You know, but it, at least they'd still talk about Magic a little bit. But I mean, it wasn't as bad because I was a Celtics fan. But it's just like, okay, can we can we talk about other players, please? That'd be that'd be great if we could do that. I'm just kind of scrolling through here. There's so many good questions. We're just not going to get close to any of them, all of them, because we're at four hours now and. You know, we're 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 not even halfway through. We're not even at three three fifteen is where I'm at right now, Vince, for looking yeah. through 
looking through questions. So I just want to see if there's any super chats or anything else like that that we have. Uh, somebody brought up starter jackets, Vince. You remember starter oh, jackets? I was watching the 93 Notre Dame-Florida State game, and the Florida State coaches were all rocking yep. starter jackets. Yep. I had a Notre Dame starter jacket. Nice. Never yep. had one. Never had a starter jacket. Yeah, I always wanted one, but I just never never had one. I'm waiting for the day those come back because I will rock one now. I wish I still had mine. I can afford one now, buddy. You a long that. time. <laughs> Let me tell you. Long time. Yeah. Yeah, that, that'd be uh, – That'd be pretty I, cool. I have to save all my pennies for a friggin' letter jacket. <laughs> What's that? Save all my pennies for a letter jacket. I never had one of those either. I never really cared about that. Like mortgage I, I, on your house, second like mortgage. For yeah, I, ne- I was never. You talking about the Letterman jackets and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I was never. Um, that was never my thing. It was never my thing. I'm going through here, boy. We're st- we're at the part where we were talking about Flintstones. <laughs> that was a long time. That was, that when was Ryan a was long still- time ago. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not even I'm barely at 3:30 now. So yeah, we're uh we're just not going to get to all these questions everybody. I apologize but you all just the next. We'll have another one, don't many worry. great questions. Yes, Vince is correct. Bring them to the message board and then I have all night to answer them after I mow, <laughs> after my meeting with Sean, I come back to it. Look at you. Yep. So, and I and I don't think we have any super chats. I didn't uh, see any. Somebody said Desmond Howard's greater by rocket than a lot. Oh, it breaks. That's a, that's, that's, a uh, that's someone who's only going off of stats, not that's a greatness. That's a Correct. Sorry. Because when uh, when uh, when those two played against each other, let, let's be honest, Rocket was the one usually dominating those matchups. Desmond didn't get his W until afterwards. Right. When you consider Irish breakdown mock starter jackets, I, I, the problem is I can't design. I don't design new gear. That'd be so I, awesome. Be so awesome. Uh, I but I can't. I can't. I can't start new gear. I can only sell what is offered at yeah. the p- print on demand place. But that'd be amazing. That'd be oh, so much fun. I want the, so much fun. I want the, the zipper. You know how it used to have the the S and the star. You know, like mm-hmm. I want the zipper the IB logo. Yeah. That's what I want if we're designing yep. it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. He corrected himself. Sid said Thank less you. than Rocket, Thank you. but he put greater than Rocket yes. by a lot. And that clearly I was about to ban Sid from yeah. the channel, but he yeah. he totally Fine. redeemed himself uh, with the the switch of the greater than less than comment. So, um, you know, somebody just brought up like Johnny Rogers. That's what I I honestly miss about the seventies and eighties is there were so many great running backs in the seventies and eighties. I mean, just I mean Billy Sims, Johnny Rogers. I mean. Mike Rogier for Nebraska. I mean, there were so many great running backs. I do miss when running backs were big-time players. Yeah. Barry Sanders, in his first two years at Oklahoma State, rushed for 928 yards in two years. Uh, because, you know, do you remember, Vince, who he was sitting behind? Barry was sitting behind? Who started over him his first two years? Because you're thinking, like, how bad of a coach do you have to be to not start Barry Sanders? But do you know who started ahead of him? Makes a little more sense. Thurman Thomas. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was pretty decent. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah. So Hall of Famer as well. And then right. Barry, so as a freshman, Barry had 325 yards. Uh, he had seven kick returns for 166 yards. As a sophomore, rotating in with, with Thurman Thomas, 603 yards, uh, had, uh, see, 14 kick returns for 442 yards, two touchdowns. He also had 15 punt returns for average – 
He averaged 31.6 yards on 14 returns. Two he went took for scores. 15 punt returns, averaged 16.3 yards, had two touchdowns. So he re, he returned 29 kicks total that year. Four of them he took back to the house. That was as a sophomore. Then as a senior, he averaged only 20 yards on 21 kick returns. He had a touchdown and he had a punt return touchdown. But in 11 games, because remember they don't they didn't count the bowl game back then. He had 2,628 rushing yards, averaged 7.6 yards per carry in 11 games. That's insane. That is absolutely insane in a basically a power five conference at the time because they, mm-hmm. they were the big eight, I believe. Uh, so, or were they in the Southwest Conference? Whatever. They played oh, good man. teams. And uh, he, he was phenomenal. He was an unbelievable, unbelievable player. I remember what, because like, I, I probably maybe watched one game that he played in, like live. I watched two. I, I watched – there was a game they played in the regular season where he went off, and then I watched the Wyoming Bowl game. But you'd see the highlights every Saturday night. Sure. Like, wow, this guy's unreal. He was absolutely unreal. So uh, Richard Lawrence says, coming from Canada to watch my first game this fall, what is the best section to watch from? So, Richard, there's really not a bad seat yeah. in the house at Notre Dame Stadium. There's really yeah. not. I will say this. If you can get somewhere on one of the sides and go higher, like a lot of people want to kind of get down on the – I'm just telling you the the best seats are in the – to me, the upper bowl because you can see everything. You can, it just you don't ever have to look back. You can just look down. There's not a nosebleed section at Notre Dame. I mean, the closest thing to a nosebleed section is the press box, and I love our seats in the press box. Me too. And I would also oh. say, just because of the jumbotron now, the yeah. north side of the of the stadium is right. probably the better side, so, so you can see the touchdown Jesus. But if you're on the side, you can see just fine. as opposed yeah. to the end zones, you can see it. But Vince is correct. The further is that you said that's the north side. Yeah, it's touchdown. Yeah, correct. So north side, but on the sides are definitely the base best place to be. But because uh, to because to in USM USMA eighty seven, I would sit where you see the jumbotron. Right. That's the that's why the one bad place to sit from a it's jumbotron standpoint is, is the south end zone. Like the the you know, but if you're on any of the sides, you're fine. But the further north you get, because that's where we were, Vince, at the game you and I went to last year together. Uh, who's that against Toledo? We yeah. were on the we were on the side we were on the north side like around like about the 30, 35 yeah. yard line, and upper we could, bowl. I mean, we could right. And I'm telling you, upper bowls cheaper, but I'm those are the better seats. I, I agree. I've, I've I've always felt that, but there's other people like being closer. That other people like being closer to the action. That may be the coach in us because we like seeing everything. Other people like really getting down there and seeing it all. The but, the new press box, I guess it's new, like the new one now, yeah. is even higher than the older one was. The older one was almost too close. Right. Like I I, I love where the press box is. Like you don't have to look, you know, to see every like it's all right there. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Yep. So Vince, that's it, man. You want to take us out of here? So uh everybody make sure that you uh here, I'll throw it up. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you hit the notification bell because you never know when we're going to be back on with a show. So make sure you do we'll all that tomorrow. Tomorrow, by the way. Sean and I will have a show tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Right. We're going to so do our, uh, our RTCF show. And that stands for? Recruiting, the team topic, college football. 
our team topic for tomorrow is what does Notre Dame? We talked last week, can Notre Dame be a dynasty again? Tomorrow we're going to focus on, okay, well then what needs to happen for them to get to that point in time? Okay. All right. So for Brian, I'm Vince. Thanks for joining us on our Friday free-for-all mailbag. And we will talk to you next time tomorrow on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>